Listener Production. You are listening, and thanks, by the way, for doing so, to episode 188 of the Howie Games, Part B, featuring the legend that is Joel Selwood, whose book, Joel Selwood, All In, is available now. Alrighty, play on. Leadership, you, you get announced captain of the footy club in 2012 after you've won the premiership. Again, there's still some serious big boys yeah. at the club. How, how did you go about leadership at the start? Um, with just performance, yeah, just on field performance, yeah, on field performance, um, and training. I got to a position from a young age because they loved the way that I, you know, showed up and presented more than anything else. So I just reminded myself of that. We had some great media performers um, around me, and and I'm very fortunate that I had some great people around me: um, Neil Baum, Steve Hocking, and then Chris as a young coach too, Chris Scott. Being a young captain, you weren't relied on as much because of what was new to the football club with um, Chris being a new coach. So, yeah, performance and we weren't under that much pressure at the Cats. Um, or And we had an older playing group that behaved the right way, so I didn't get put under that much strain. You mentioned a story about early days leadership and Matty Scarlett in the yep. book, which I enjoyed, Joel. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a strange because it was my first basically game as captain, um, and it was a game where Hayden Ballantyne, who was a young sort of forward, sneaky forward, but a cheeky forward too, mm. uh, for Fremantle, got under Maddie's skin, and uh, Maddie decided to put a fist. I remember it clearly he on his cheek. It. He absolutely whacked it. Oh, now that's Scalo has just dropped Hayden Ballantyne. And not what you need as a first-time captain for one of your players to do that. And um, it got to the Monday, you know, after the weekend and Maddie's there on the computers at the footy club and um, going through his game for the weekend and uh, I just thought, here's my chance. Uh, I've probably got to say something. Um, I'll go over and see if he's all right. And I basically said that, are you all right, mate? He goes, yeah, what are you talking about? And I'm like, you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> mate? Like, <laughs> what's going on? Like, why'd you do it? You know, you put me under the pump here. Yeah. And uh, he's like, yeah, no, I'm fine. And with that, I just walked away. And I was like, Barmy can look after that. Right, right. <laughs> So, and, and that I was a good lesson straight away because I didn't think that I needed to, not, like, do it all myself. I, I relied on Barmy and Hawk looking after me um, and they did a good good job in that being a young captain. And then as you develop, what do you reckon, like you had a successful team? Yeah. But you had what was always described as a well-led team from you and Chris the coach and then the leadership group. Like define yourself as a leader. What succeeded for you as a leader? Well, probably knowing that I needed to change with the times. Like free agency came in and we were getting players from different clubs that um, – maybe were a little bit bruised, that they felt like that they weren't good enough or um, oh. and for us to give them a second chance, it was like, come get in our environment and we'll set it up as good as we can and we'll give you the best shot at it. So it was more about what we could set up and then 
we're going to get the best out of you and give them the confidence in that. And, and with that, these players just kept like getting better and better. Like I think of a Zach Tui who we got from Carlton. We just went a couple picks back in the draft and I'm like, oh, that was free. Like we got him for free yeah. and he's at our footy club, you know, seven, eight years later because they only think thought that maybe he'd be around for another two years. Um, and he has been like culturally unbelievable for our footy club. So little wins like that I just loved. It's interesting you say that, isn't it? Because obviously what Collingwood's doing now at the moment, like I, I called them two weeks ago and the main thing I thought was though when they came up on the ground, up the race that we were talking about before, they were all just smiling and joking and laughing. Yeah. I thought, geez, these blokes look like they're having a good time. Now I watch the way England played cricket and Zach Crawley in the last test made 180 of, yeah. of 180 rocks, a bloke that averages 24 in test cricket and the captain and coach had told him at the start, you just do your job, get us away to a good start and you'll play every test match. Yeah. It's amazing and talking to Stuart Broad about they're just there to have fun and take the result out of it. It's it's amazing the way sports going in that if you feel wanted, you yeah. perform better rather than thinking, do I need to watch the footy show as to whether I'm going to get a game or not? What what we loved doing was just looking after our guys um, as well as what we possibly can. And that's through the week, um, time off. Um, Chris was the best at it. You know, he was always big picture stuff on making sure that looking at the schedule at the start of the year and where can we get benefits that other sides, you know, aren't looking at. Because to be honest, we're probably going to get a bad draw because we finished up top of the ladder. We're mm. going to play better sides for most of the year. Um, there's there's no easy games, but there's we're going to have some real tough periods through here. So how can we make it easier for our guys? Um, and, and with that, you know, Players just kept getting better. We got the best out of like so many players, um, and I think and I hope players walked away from Geelong Footy Club when they're finished, and say, "Geez, I got lucky because I played there, and I did." You know, I loved coming to work more than anything else. Tell me a brief story on two players why they're so good. Um, firstly, the, the you know the fascination with Gary Ablett Jr. Why was yep. Gary arguably? One of the greatest players to ever play the game. You saw him week in, week out. Like, what a what a bloody privilege, mate, to yeah. see little Gazza in action. Yeah, uh, he, he had the natural talent for one, but he was he was a big thinker of footy, and he he understood the game unbelievably well. The challenge for Gaz was he was in our dom- dominant side. Then he went to the Gold Coast, yep. and he dominated in the toughest of conditions. Like, and he was like a star for like. 12 years, but his years that he wasn't in that bracket, he was like still in, within the top 50 players mm. of the competition. Like, And it was a joy to go to work with him because you knew that um, we even had, you know, game plans. If he's close, you give it to him. Just <laughs> give it to Gaz. Just give it to him, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, and that was special to be a part of. And what about the big hawk? What, what, how did he become from a muffin-eating freak that wasn't that good in front of the big sticks to like I watch him now and he's in the pocket and he swings the ball completely differently to everyone else and you yeah. think he's going to kick a goal every time. What, why has Tommy Hawkins become the preeminent forward of his generation? Well, the, there's probably many aspects to that, but he Hawk always loved the game um, and he was so good for me because he always reminded me, hey, we've got to enjoy this yep. without saying it. You know, he's a big smile, um, just walks around with great sort of confidence. Um, 
and just love love going to work. You know what he does is he trains every session, and he's at the at the age of thirty five now. He wants to be out on the track, and it's people pulling him back off, basically going, "Mate, you don't need this anymore." He's <laughs> like, "I'm going to stay out here. I'm going to train." So um, he is exceptional with that, but he has genuine care for you know the place where he works. If, if we can call it that, but the people that he works with too. So that was always, you know, special when I could lean on him and um, we could do it together. Skip forward, mate, 2020 grand final. We, yep. we spoke about winning in, in 07. We skipped over 08, which I shouldn't have done. And then we, we got <laughs> to okay. we got forward. to 09. Um, 2020, you're 15 points up at half time in a grand final. What are you thinking? What are you trying to do in the midst of what Dustin Martin was doing in the second half? Well, we, we were pretty good, but yeah, he snuck one before half time. Left Martin around the body high ball. He's got it. What a moment. Gee, just at that moment that you wanted him to kick a goal. And then that kick there. I see Colin Jasney there. He's not an easy man to get away from Colin Jasney, but Dusty just didn't didn't get too phased. That's what he's done. He knows his strengths. We didn't give him much space. Like, he, he just, like, found you know, the small margin um, where he was able to throw it on a right foot and snap it over his head and um, it snuck in for a goal. So it brought it down from 21 to 15. Um, we knew that they were close. Um, it, it was a tough game because up there, it's easy to score, quite easy to score was from the, the centre Gabby, of the yeah? ground at the Gabba. It was the COVID oh, final. Yep. Yeah. So we knew that it was still... You know, the game was still on, but if we still do, kept doing what we did, and we, we had a pretty strong game plan against Richmond where we stood up for long periods of time, but we just couldn't, couldn't do it in the end. Um, and then that third quarter, they kicked a couple of quick ones on us, and, and that hurt a little bit. And then we just got a couple of things wrong. Like um, we talk about Paddy not playing as well in that grand final. It wasn't really that, you know. Paddy was trying to do the right thing by playing forward because we – needed him to play forward because we thought we needed to kick a score. Whereas usually, you know, he would just bring himself up onto the ball, but for some reason or not, or another, um, we were just making small bad decisions across the board, whether it be me or Pat um, doing that, where we would just usually make that call out on the ground. It wouldn't need to come from the coach's box. So, yeah, we let ourselves down a little bit, let them in, and then from there you try and win the game. So blows out to a 30-plus point loss, um, but it looks worse than what it is. And, and I was in a number of prelims like that, you know, played for 16 years, played in 12 prelims and got blown out in a lot of the prelims because you try and win them. Um, and that was a killer. So how do you deal with, like we're talking about how elite and how much you prepare, how do you deal with walking off losing a grand final, mate? Yeah. Well, not only as an individual but as a leader, which yeah. I guess is... When leaders have to step up, it must be okay when you're winning, but when you lose a game like that. Yeah, well, 2020 was a tough grand final. Like it was a, because we were away all year, we sort of loved everything that that year gave us, you know, how close the group come together. Um, but what hurt was that it was going to be Gary's last game and it was going to be Harry Taylor's last game. Um, so two players that I've played a lot of footy with. Um, and then Harry's one that I've lent on so much over the journey too. So um, would have loved to win for them. But, you know, the way that we played the year out, it was such a win in so many ways. You know, we, our group grew so much. Um, we loved going to work with each other. The hub situation suited a lot of our guys right. um, because of, again, I talk about environments, but setting it up well 
And that was the coach saying it straight away. I don't know what news that he had, but he knew that this COVID stuff was going to be big and it was going to change the world. And he said, but whatever we do, we're going to do it better than the rest of the competition. Hmm. And he put us in that mindset. So hey, that's leading us to go, okay, well, let's go and do it and let's go and do it better than others. So maybe we weren't good enough to be in the grand final that year. Do you and think, we nearly won it, but, yeah, do you we think, got there. Do you think more about the ones you won or the ones you lost? Uh, yeah, the 08 hurts, so yeah, we can go there if you want. But you do think about it. Yeah, that, that one hurts. Should we go there, Tommy? Can we cut out a special <laughs> episode for an hour and a half and, like, do a Stewie Jew Mark Williams special? Or? <laughs> but the thing about it is yeah, I was lucky enough to go the other way yeah. and then go straight back in 09. And then 11, um, again, we may not have been the best side, um, but we got it right at the right time of the year um, against Collingwood. So 20, 2022 was just something else. Let's talk about 2022. Um, and I, I mentioned at the start there's things in the book that I didn't expect and your description of your and Brit's, um, or Brit's, let's be honest, search and want and effort to become parents, which there's a lovely ending to the story, obviously, as we've talked yeah. about Joey, was intertwined with a 2022 season as you're coming to your end. I, I can presume it's one thing to write about it. I don't know how it is to speak about, but in your words, mate, talk me through your and Brit's journey to become parents. Yeah, well, I mean, it's easy to talk about now because we're on the other side of yes. it. But um, for a long time, it, it was tough. Um, so 2020, we started the journey. Um, like most people, we got married in January. You have a little period of romance and then we're going to start our family and um, things were just going to go and uh, be joyful like that. Which we, is what you think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we... We just had a little bit of trouble trying to get pregnant. So we couldn't work out what it was because we were in these bubbles and whatnot. We couldn't go to doctors to see. Um, it's got to the end of 2020 season and um, it was suggested that I go get my sperm checked. And with that, it just come back that I have a low sperm count, which is not too different to anything else. It gets measured out of five. I think I was sitting at 2.5. So still swimmers that work and then, you know, it's just luck of the draw. Yep. Whether you get it at the right time and everything works. So we decided we could keep having a crack at that or we could go down the IVF channel. Um, so that there was a bit to it. Like with that, Britt and I live such a out there life shared with so many that mm. we didn't really want to share this. Um, more her than, this is her decision more than me. Um, so personal. it was more like, we don't want to do it in Geelong because we're probably going to see him and then spoken about. And then, you know, she wants to be able to go to work and feel like that she's not, having to share how she is every day. And then I thought, well, if it's good enough for you, then I might take the same attitude with me and work. So from there, it was just a, yeah, it was a battle. Um, we, we went down the journey. We were able to do it down in Melbourne at number one uh, fertility, which a great organisation, um, great doctors, everything like that. We felt confident that this was going to work. Um, Lucky enough, straight away, um, our first transfer where the embryo goes into Brit, she falls pregnant. We found the news out as I was travelling down to a game against St Kilda in the 2021 season. Um, and so excited about yep. what was going to happen. I, was, I just remember going, 
I'm going to do an injury today. Like I'm going to go out and I'm going to be so excited. I'm going to do my hammy or something like that. So be really careful and sit on the bench for a little bit longer than what I need to when I come to the bench. But we lived that out for a little bit. And then just as it was through that time, that COVID period, um, Britt had to go to the doctors by herself uh, to the hospital. Um, this was for the six-week scan at that stage because through IVF, um, that's you know, a time where you can get scanned and, and check that everything's going okay. Uh, we get told that uh, there's no babies, you know, it hasn't grown since the week before. So um, She's there by herself? Yeah, she's there by herself. And, and not something that, you know, I sort of picked up that well, but oh, that, yeah, that's not good, but, you know, we'll be able to get pregnant again because it happened on the first go. And we only share this journey because it was... Um, one that footy becomes second, you know, becoming pregnant, you know, for the last two years of my career was what Britt and I loved to do. And we didn't, it didn't get in the way of footy at all. But if I had to miss a training session or anything like that, there was, I made sure that, you know, I had to be there for Britt and the footy club were great. You know, I only had to mention to Chris and Simon Lloyd at the time that yep. going to go through this thing with Brit, IVF, and I'm going to have to need to be there for her. And they're like, yeah, okay, just let us know when you need us. So, mate, there was a lot of people, this is why people need to read All In, Joel's book. Um, so we'll leave some of that for the book, but how did you deal with the negative news when it came as an individual, as a couple? There's one thing to lose a grand final. There's yep. another to have your family dreams put on hold or stopped or prevented. What was killing me was um, the detail and effort that Britt was putting in, like yeah. mate, the, the drugs and the hormones that she was putting in her body. Um, That's the bit that surprised me. Like you just don't oh, know about this stuff. Yeah, seriously. Like we would rock up and I'd rock up to the pharmacy to pick up, you know, what the cycle was going to be next and it was like a milky sort of thing that she was going to then sort of inject into her and you're like holy shit what's this going to do right and her levels like of sort of hormones she just stayed like killer the whole way along and you know i wouldn't have been able to tell whether she was in a good mood or bad mood she was unbelievable injections that she didn't like doing herself so it was you know basically twice a day nearly and then when i wasn't here you know best mate from Geelong would drive down and he would do her injections for her at some stages. So it was a, yeah, it was, it was tough. But the thing about it, we weren't the only one and the journey that we went on, we can't say it to others, but we just want to know that there's hope out there for others, um, that it doesn't happen that easy sometimes, but um, we're at the end of it um, and we've got this bundle of joy and we look at him and you wouldn't even know. Um, and, you know, <laughs> The footy side of it was, it made it easier. You know, it made 2022 easier. Albeit, you know, a couple of times as you saw, you know, when I got told in round four that I'm going to have it off, mm. I bit. And I probably would have been okay with it if I didn't have these other things going on, but I just wasn't thinking. So know. what did you say when the coach said, right, you're going to have a rest? Yeah, well, I, I did. Remember it started to become a story and started to leak out in the media that you were getting rested and you were yeah, pissed I did. about it. Yeah, I didn't like it. Um, one of the aspects of it, I d didn't like it straight away because I was like, okay, if I'm going to have a rest, how am I going to be the best in 10 days' time? And I was always that if you, hmm. you're picking up from where. So it wasn't that I knew that the rests were coming 
round four was just a bit too soon because we we're playing Brisbane, who was a top four side in Geelong, and we need to beat them um, just to have that edge on them. Um, but he just had this confidence and just steely that this group was going to be great. Did you and, go back at him when you said you rested? Uh, no. So it was a and, – and this is me just, you know, being in the picture of, you know, having the baby stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah, getting ready for the weekend. But the, the head coach is busy. Like, you know, he, he probably just expected that. I knew that I was going to get rested at some stage. Just trust me that, you know, I'll pick the right times for you. And – and with that, I think the good thing that I got out of it was like, okay, if I'm going to rest though, you're going to make sure that I'm my best for rounds five when I come back against the Hawks. And that was a good thing that we got out of it because it was like, well, if we're going to do that for me, well, let's make sure that we get these plans in place for other players when they're sitting out, that we can make sure this group's really humming by the end of the year. Back to Joel in a moment. Lots of footy guests from various codes over the history of the show now. And with Joel involved in the Melbourne Storm, who better to go back and find in the catalogue than episode 96, the super coach himself, Craig Bellamy. My daughter sent me um, a little poem down, a little saying. Uh, it was in a frame and whatever. And basically between me saying what I said and, hey, I, I, I need to do that, I, I need to put those actions into into actions now and uh, I, I knew that goes out I've said it so I need to back it up and she sent me a this frame that said everything will be okay in the end if it's not okay it's not the end and I read that <laughs> I reckon I read that twice every night and that helped keep, keep me going too because it wasn't okay you know a lot of our players were doing it really tough they were cop- copping the whole heap that little what's the name that's just goes to show, you know, you need your family around you and, um, and you know, how they can help, you know, when you're going through tough times. That is Craig Bellamy on episode 96 of the show. Let's get back to Joel. So we get to the grand final day. Um, you know you know that it's going to be your last game? You just, yep. So you've already decided you're going to retire. Yep. There's a couple of instances on that grand final when um, you've got – I think the defining moment for a lot of footy fans would be you running out on the ground with Gaz's little bloke, yeah. Levi. Yeah, that's a beautiful touch. A champion that man on screen was, of course, for the Cats Premiership player. Father also a champion. They do those things really well, Geelong. That is everything you need to know about the Geelong Football Club, I think, that moment. What did it mean to you? Oh, special. Yeah, so it was Monday in at the club um, and Steve Hocking and Carly Flakemore, who looks after our events at the time, she came to me and they said, oh, I think we've got this idea to um, put to Gary and Jordan that, um, you know, we'd like Levi to be the mascot this weekend. And even I was at the time, I was like, oh, you know, I don't know about the logistics of it, seeing because both of them weren't up in the hub with us um, in Queensland in 2020. There's a lot to go into Levi's day. Uh, beautiful little boy, but yeah, life's tough for mm. them and they do a beautiful, amazing job to give him the best shot at life. But uh, So I remember leaving, I said, look, I'll take it to Gaz. I think it's a great idea, um, but I wouldn't be surprised either way, you know, what how it goes. So I got on the phone to Gaz and um, I said, mate, I've got this amazing opportunity. Um, 
what about Levi running out with us on the weekend? And I could hear in his voice straight away, you know, thinking, nah, this isn't going to happen. I said, mate, it's your turn to support your son on, on the MCG on grand final day. <laughs> and he's like, oh, nah, like I'll, I'll speak to George about it, um, stuff like that. Before he could even um, ring George, I gave her a quick message and said, Oh, you snuck him first. You've got to get him first. Yeah, yeah. I said, Levi's got to run out with us on the weekend. Gaz is going to give you a call, make sure that we can get this happening. And George, she was a star and she understood it. The The only interesting thing about it, so grand final day come around, Gaz had a commitment down in Geelong beforehand, so he was not going to be in the car with Jordan and Levi that got to the ground earlier. Um, and we gave him a car park pass as a football club, but we gave it to him at the tennis centre. So to think of being Gary Ablett oh. at the tennis centre and getting there at 1 o'clock, needing to be at the ground at 1.30. He's like statching 10 in Mumbai <laughs> it's again. Like, it's like it's not going to work. Like it's going to take him three hours to do that through a Geelong crowd. Yeah. So it was like the day before as we were driving down to the grand final parade, I was on the phone to our, uh, our administration going, we need one more ticket underneath <laughs> the ground. So like we need to make sure he's got a car park pass under the ground at the MCG. Because I only found out about that because Gaz was like if and throwing about it through. Because I rang Jay Stavenport. I said, Gaz is going to be there, isn't he? He's going to be there. He's like, mate, he's got a car park pass at the tennis center. I'm like, nah, don't worry. We'll get it organised. So the little things that you need to worry about right to the end. It was a oh, it was such a good moment. And it was, mate, running through the banner. And it, like I... Didn't know at the time, but I look at it now and yeah. I'm carrying him and I've got Paddy smiling in the background, yeah. like the biggest smile. And you talk about it being Geelong. We didn't know it at the time, but like then Paddy comes out and does what he does grand final day and you're like, that relaxed him. Yeah. Yeah, he right. was good. Right. And, and, and was the flow-on effects, like it was just, yeah, over a period of time, like clubs are really good at it. Like I, I just can't say this about Geelong, but, you know, they do it. They build good habits and um, it's just amazing they get blown up so big on those days yeah. that uh, it takes people to appreciate them. That amongst all the bad stories that we have, there are some you know, really good people in the competition too. You kicked a goal on grand final day and it had yeah. a bit of flair. It, yeah. it had a bit of sizzle to it. Selwood, be great to see him kick a goal. Oh. Selwood on the check side. All hail Joe Selwood. He can't believe it. He's got his head in his hands. It's an emotional moment for the skipper. What a star this man is. He's going to be a four-time premiership player and premiership captain. And there looks amongst that huddle like he's a bit emotional about it as well. A check side of all things, Chieftain. And that's just good goal sense. Look at the tears in the Selwood family there. Howie on the triple and Harvey Norman replay. His beautiful mum who's... Produced four AFL boys in the family and his wife, Britt's pregnant. They have got tears streaming down their face to Selwood family. They all know the courage and the effort and the battle that that champion has gone through, Joel Selwood. And what a moment it is for one of the great players, one of the great leaders of our game. Played more finals. Well, your call helped it. Thank you. Well, I think I was that shocked. Did you pull it around for me? Or I know. What? I think I was that shocked that you'd provide that you'd been out. You'd, the, the the electric fence was set up for fifteen well, years. Did I even go in, or did I well, kick it from outside? You might have been outside. It might have been a fifty-five meter check side. But oh, I, don't know I just remember. It's funnily you say that. Um, it's about you, but I remember 
the smiles and joy in the box because we were seeing a Shane Crawford playing his last game, winning a first premiership. He, he deserved it. You deserve to go out that way. And I think we were, myself and Darce and uh, Jason Dunstall and Nathan Brown were really excited for you that it was the cherry on top of the cherry on top of the cherry on top of the cherry. Oh, and it was. Like I talk about the like, most perfect day. Like if, if I could write it and script it the way that it turned out, like I couldn't even do it. Like, yeah. Um, I sat on the bench for a period in the last quarter and it was, you know, I remember wandering on um, and I was lucky that, you know, Hamish McLaughlin probably was guessing at the time, maybe had a little bit of an insight, but um, he filmed that and, you know, I'm sort of looking up into stands, looking around and and then gets the last three minutes of the game and, and, and not even my teammates know at this stage, they've probably got it fair idea that this may be it. They're looking up at my wife and she's crying with my mum. Hmm. But it was really, it was just unbelievably special. Like um, the, the goal was one thing, but the, the way that the boys well, just, just supported hang on. it. Just, just, just take us through the goal because you haven't kicked many goals. <laughs> In detail, take us through the goal. Well... And you can have my own now. You're no, a retired uh, footballer, John. In front of the MCC too, which yes. was great. Yes. Like, you know, I've been booed in front of the MCC <laughs> many times before, but boundary throw in there and um, I just took a punt. Like I took a bit more of a punt than what I usually would. I'm playing on Isaac Heaney. Like he's, the, you know, a danger player for yeah. Sydney. But we're 70 points up at the time. Like if I'm getting a chance of this ball going forward, I'm going forward with it. And, um, yeah, my, my just, you know, bounces out. Isaac Smith, loose handball, Brad Close, beautiful touch. And it is one where I just sort of lob it over the top usually in Hawke's direction yes. or, and sort of give him enough room to push and then and play the ball. But um, Mitch Duncan was out the side of my eye and he's also someone that I usually give the ball to because he's our kicker. But it was a throw on that check side that uh, I haven't done too many times before. But no. geez, it couldn't have come off more flush. Uh, and, and the footy guys were looking over me. It's a brilliant moment. So what is the moment like when you know you're done and you can actually savour what's going on around you? What's the emotion running out there with your mates with like 15 minutes to go? You know, it's well, it's a lot before that, but that... That period of perfection that so many athletes or so many of us in life never really get. Yeah, well, if I take you quickly through the game, like first quarter we come in 36 points up and we come in a little bit edgy because we kicked six goals too and then to finish the quarter we kicked three behinds, one a bit stiff, Jeremy hits it halfway up the post from 55. But we said, geez, we, you know, stop taking shots from the pockets, boys, you know. We're giving them a sniff. Half-time similar, you know, the silly captain at the time tried to knock it back where I usually grab the ball, handball it to Jed Buse. I tapped the back, went through his legs and Callum Mills kicks a goal from that. What was the half-time over? So that, I think that was close to 36, similar, 37. Yeah. Um, and then three-quarter time, we come out after that, a passage of play that's where Jed Buse gets the ball on the MCC side again. He kicks it for space, but it goes in the middle sort of four Sydney players and Mark Blitzarf just crunches like Callum Mills at the time. Mm. And it ends up going down to a goal where Mitch Duncan does a rundown, but it was like, geez, if the Swans are going to get us here, they're going to have to be really, really good. Yeah. Like, um, So it was three-quarter time where it's sort of sunk into me as I'm walking out. And not that I was playing my last game, but it was like I got a message said to me 
in 2007, it's time to pass that on. Uh, from the coach at the time, which was Bomber, and he said, you know, the only way that we can stuff today up is if we don't, don't go and do what we've done for the last 20 weeks. Hmm. And uh, before I started that, you know, I said, boys, we can want it. Wow. And, and, and for me to say that to the boys, it's like, Jesus, what the f- he just said? <laughs> <laughs> because you, you play it always, you always play it out. Um, and this was to play it out, but to play it out with a smile on your face yeah. because it's going to be the best 30 minutes of your life. And I think that if you watch it back now, you can see that within the group and, and you could feel it around the ground too. Um, we just loved everything, whether it was Sam DeConing finishing in the goal square, like from fullback. Dangerfield, the only player out there wearing long socks, left foot snap on the line. DeConing's got one. The defender who was so brilliant early in the game. Um, Brandon Parford kicking a goal. Picked up by Close, comes back to Parford. He's just come on the ground and kicked the goal. I got my go. Just, yeah, the show was amazing. So a few months after that, and you've detailed what Britt went through and you went through beside her, but mainly what your wife went through. Yeah. What's the moment um, like when you hold little Joey for the first time, Sel? Oh, the bubble, mate. Yeah, well, he's just amazing. Uh, to, to talk you through it, like, it didn't go to plan. Um, we were going in, she was going to have a normal birth. Um, got a bit scary, um, emergency C. So right to the end, like, this kid was like, we thought he was trouble. Yeah. Um, we had he a, may still well be. Nah, yeah. I don't think yeah. so. Like, Joel, he just smiles Joel. at me. <laughs> Surely <laughs> not. Please trust me. Um, and, and the doctor delivering at the time was just like... You know, I was talking about operations, people before, you know, he just had these gears where he just sat in gear two the whole time, no stress, I'm going to deliver this baby for you. And he came out screaming and uh, and just ended up pissing all over mum and stuff like that. But what was the most amazing thing is, um, you know, he goes over, gets checked, we're throwing back on mum, we're smiling away. And then um, we get to the recovery room and I just remember sitting there and they're like, oh, do you mind if we put Joey on the boob to see if we can try and start feeding? And I'm sitting there looking at Brit and she's exhausted, like gassed, and I couldn't be any more in love. <laughs> like, just like more, oh, my God, what have you just done to my wife? Um, and just to know that we've got this bundle of joy um, for the rest of our lives and... It's that bubble, probably not then, but the bubble the next 40 hours are just like not telling anyone. They've got the best secret in the world and uh, look forward to what's ahead. I think that is the part you should get your wife to listen to as opposed to the player profile when you said she was better <laughs> at skiing than you and nothing else. I think that, that's the part that your beautiful wife needs to listen to. Um, you said something to me when you said that you were going away um, and you were pushing Joey around. We mentioned earlier on you were going on your overseas trip and you are talking about being at the Melbourne Storm and what you were learning there. And yep. You, you said something along the lines of, I hope it goes well at the Storm. Uh, I don't know how it'll go because footy is the only thing I know and it's the only thing I'm good at. And I walked away from that and I said to Erica, surely a man that has done and led and been a teammate as well as you have doesn't actually feel that way that you're no footy and nothing else like yeah. the world will be whatever you want it to be yep do you see that 
I do. Yeah, no, I do now. It's it's funny you say that because I said it for a long time. Um, so how footy works, 18-year-old kid comes out, get drafted straight into a footy you know, club, department, and learn, learn about the world from there. Um, and it, it took me until even like halfway through basically my last year to understand that maybe I'm only just good at footy. And, and that may be the only thing that I'd be really, really good at. The next thing I might be okay at, um, mm. but, you know, enjoy what I'm doing now. And whatever's next is next, but I don't believe that anymore. Good. Yeah, there's, there's uh, I'm not sure exactly what it is out there. You know, I love the game. I love AFL. Um, where I fit, not so quite sure. I haven't missed the game just yet. That's the only thing that I would say. Um, so... When I come back, I'm going to come back hungry. Uh, and all in. Yeah, and all in. Again, like I've been with everything else. Um, just was perfect timing right now. Just It's all in to be a dad in many ways and, and learn things along the way, mix with different people, um, do chats like this um, that I've never done before, um, you know, work at Melbourne Storm, work in the commercial department of the footy club, learn a bit there and, yeah, mix with, you know, the world a little bit too. So, but most importantly, be, be a really good dad. Only a couple more for you. The Bowen heads under 12s next year. They have to move up <laughs> to under 14s. It's the, the, the younger age group. Um, they need some direction. They've got a fantastic ca- coach in Dazza who's yep. a guru, but, you know, maybe we can find a... Water boy. Well, he'd probably run a probably not quite assistant coach at this right. stage, but I think you'd have a fair impact there. Um, a couple more for you. Um I was going to mention it with the travel department. Um, I'm thinking about doing a travel podcast and then I thought, yeah, well, how, I need a sponsor for this. And then I, then I thought about you, oh, no. you and your brother's work back in the days when Erica and I had time to go to the movies and there'd be a nice big cinematic ad. What was the name of the company in Geelong? That's Geelong Travel. Our good friend Geelong. Stuart at Geelong Stewie Travel. Stewie Ripper. It's still there. Uh, Tommy, we need to play a bit of that audio at this point because oh, no. of all the things that you've done well... I don't think you could beat that ad. Hey, we're looking to go on an end of season brocation. Can you help us? Sure thing, step this way. When it comes to travel options, Hawaii, Aloha. Canada, hey. Spain, Hola. Germany, Uta Tug, Aura Cruise. All aboard. Hey bro, I'm the captain. Geelong travel, your journey begins with us. I remember listening to Paddy talking to you only a couple of weeks yep. ago and um, Learning to say no is very important in the, <laughs> well, in the yeah, space. Yeah. He said yes to something that he, he wished he sort of said no to. Yeah, he? yeah. So th- that was along the same lines <laughs> of trying to help a friend out. Um, and he just had big picture stuff. And and, and there was a time where Scott was close, just new to the town. So to, to get him to go all in on that. It was um, all in. It was yeah, all in. Yeah. So... Not sure if we, uh, I think we lost friends from it more than anything else. <laughs> no, I loved it. I loved it. Um, all right. Now, as I said, both kids are enamored. So now you get a question from a 13-year-old Sky, known as the Pickle. Yeah, um, Pickle, let's and, go. And this is important that um, I hope you have an answer for this because if you don't have an answer, yep. you might not be able to remain in Bowen Heads. Hi, Joel. Pickle here. Our favourite place to go to lunch in Bowen Heads is Starfish. And usually when I get there, it's a pretty tough choice. I would usually go for the squishy, the superstar squishy, the squashy, the soup, the deluxe toast, or the tuna toasty. But usually the tuna toasty. 
And if you're a proper local now, you would go to Starfish as well. So what's your favourite thing to get? Oh, well, she she knows it well. Mate. Well, I'm, I'm a squishy lover. You're a squishy yeah, lover. and you know what? They just, there's, I don't know what, it's like it's mayonnaise, yes. isn't it? That they just do it really well. They do. Uh, but we are so lucky. That, like this street that we have, yes. it's called Hitchcock. Yep. Um, we have we're surrounded by like little good places and the people are better. Like yes. um, Penny down at Confetti, yes. love her. The girls at the van. Yeah. Um, the Andrew just, crew at Beach Annie's, House. Yeah. Annie's as well. Yep. The Italian. Very lucky. But if you're listening to this, this is an ad for Bow and Heads, but <laughs> I must say there is no surf here. So if you like surfing, there are never any waves go, in Bow and Heads. Elsewhere. So don't come down here. There's lots of sharks. It's nasty <laughs> out in the water and it's flat. So don't don't come down to surf, but come down to visit. Um, final question for you, mate. Um, yep. The book is all in. Um, we've only touched on parts of it. There's so much more in your story. It's an absolute cracker. Sel, for all the success you've had, and you're a you're a hero to the kids through your Auskick connection. But like I know every kid around here just idolises you, and they get that excited when they see you on the street and get a photo with you. And I know there'll be a lot of that going on as as the book is released. But what advice would you give to the youngsters out there that would like to achieve success in their life, mate? Yeah, well. The book taught me a bit, even writing it, you know, how intense I was um, at different stages through there. But I didn't lose that sense that, you know, how special it was to be able to do what I did too. So um, to just have that feel of um, make sure you look after the people around you. Um, when talking about leadership, you know, it doesn't take much just to be a half-decent person and to look out for others. <laughs> and and don't confuse it too much. Um so I just feel that I was, um, you create your own luck, but I was very lucky too. Um, great place, great people, um, and smile. Because uh, I, I talk now about, you know, what I probably wish I did a bit more. Um, I wish I smiled a bit more because I can count the bad days on one hand um, that I had. And I, and I got to call it work for 16 years. Um, so I probably wish I smiled more so I could have shown the world uh, how lucky I was. Mate, I know you've been in demand to do podcasts, so I appreciate the fact that you've come on the Howie Games. Um, you're a star and uh, you're a good addition to Bowen Heads and everyone here <laughs> loves you and uh, good luck with whatever's next for you and Britt and Joey and may there be lots of joy and happiness, mate. Too kind. Thanks, mate. Well done, mate. Joel Selwood, footballer, now father. Makes you smile, doesn't it? Much love to Joel. Britt and Joey moving forward. Thanks to Cass Kane, the star from TLA, for making this episode happen. The book, Joel Selwood, All In, needs to be in your hands right now. That's it from me. Until next week with surfer Owen Wright, a showstopper of an episode. Peace and love. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. If we try, try, try